warriors in your family? They're not practicing, but they're warriors. We're live. Uh, okay, it doesn't appear yet. Okay. Okay. Hare Krishna. Uh, welcome to um, the 50th anniversary of Srila Prabhupada coming to Gainesville on July 29th, 1971, and starting giving the instructions to start Krishna lunch on the campus. This morning we had a celebration on the campus of the University of Florida, and the president of the university spoke eloquently. This has all been live streamed and video recorded. Um, we had the mayor speak and other dignitaries. President of the university. Uh, uh, I mentioned. And we have um, uh, with us tonight uh, some of the original members of the Krishna House going back to 1971. We have, uh, uh, first of all, Haridayananda Goswami, who was uh, president uh, as a grahasta, along with the Naga Manjari um, of the Krishna House. We have Amarendra, who was the force behind Krishna Lunch. We have Dharma, one of the original Krishna House devotees, are all present with me. Some others will be coming in by Zoom, and we really welcome you. Tonight's program is to talk about the memories of what happened in 1971 and the magical moment that began all of 50 years of feeding over 3 million plates of prasadam to students at the University of Florida. As the president spoke this morning, we are an institution. We are part of the campus. When the campus uh, came back to in-person classes after the pandemic, they reached out to us, what are you gonna be doing? They set up so we would be COVID safe, but they wanted to publicize that we're back because three or four generations of Gators, as University mm -hmm. of Florida students are known, would feel comfortable that something is getting normal again. And the most normal thing could be Krishna lunch. When the University Alumni Association publishes their calendar, there are 12 pictures. Most years, one of them is Krishna lunch, because it's what the students want to remember. Uh, the most popular Instagram pictures ever posted on UF's website have been, of course, you guessed it, Krishna lunch. So we're an institution, the University of Florida, and it all began, not by me, but by those that are gonna be speaking tonight in this room, by their pioneering work. We have been able to have 50 years of a successful program, and the Krishna House currently has probably more young people moving in to an ashram to try out the ashram experience than any other place in America and probably any other place in the Western world. And again, it, it all began with the pioneers who will be speaking tonight. So we applaud them, we appreciate them, and they're gonna share with you their adventure in bringing Prabhupada to Gainesville exactly 50 years ago. Thank you very much. If I could say something at this point, thank you for Please. the introduction. Uh, Dear Krishna Maharaj just arrived a bit late. 
And so, um, uh, comments in here? Yeah, we're already live. So I would like to suggest something. We had a program this morning on the campus. We had two programs. We had one program on campus in which we all basically told our memories. And then we went to the place where uh, the, the original Krishna house, not the first, but, but, but sort of the, the Krishna house as it became established. That's where Prabhupada came. We went there and we talked. My suspicion is that myself, Amarendra, perhaps Dharma, and we've told Vir Krishna a lot of our memories. Mm -hmm. So rather than rehash what we've already really talked about twice today, I would like to suggest that, uh, if I may be so bold, and since I was a temple president, I guess I'm reincarnating that role right now. <laughs> but um, I, I, I would personally like to talk about not just tell the same stories again, however wonderful they may be, but talk about the legacy. In other words, Prabhupada came, there is you know, a, a, an extraordinary program in Gainesville on the campus, but what does that mean? I mean, going forward, for example, to ask, because this, program, by the way, is being held in the Bhaktivedanta Institute building. I guess you can't see it right now. When Brahmacharya talks, you can see all these books behind him. And um, so in the spirit of the Bhaktivedanta Institute, which is also, I should say, and, and, and it's, it's been revived really due to the efforts of Brahmacharya. We wouldn't be here right now if he hadn't, uh, in a very brilliant way, revived the Bhaktivedanta Institute. He's the last founding member under Prabhupada, still active, and he put together a, a global coalition, which I think only he could have done, and uh, worked with the BBT, worked with the GBC in a very expert way, and so here we are. So in, in doing something here, the fact that we're not on the plaza right now, and so personally, if I can, you know, kind of be overbearing and domineering, um, I personally don't think we have to again talk about the plaza because we did talk about it a lot and we're not there right now. And I don't think we have to even, you know, I mean, we, we, we spoke from the preaching center. I think actually we should talk about the intellectual legacy. The fact that, the fact that Prabhupada's vision of this movement was not exclusively to feed people. And, you know, giving out prasadam is obviously, it's, it's a great program. It's a program that Prabhupada loved. It's a program which has, you know, done, you know, uh, done, ex had, or created extraordinary benefit. And it's something we all admire. It's something we all honor and respect and, and cherish. But ultimately, the Vaishnavas, the Brahmanas, the Vaishnav Brahmans, not only cook for people, but they enlighten people with knowledge. And so I think now that we're in the BI at this moment, and we're broadcasting from this beautiful BI which Brahmacharya is directing, that uh, I would like to, if I could, you know, nudge us a little bit in that direction, I would like to talk about Prabhupada's intellectual legacy. Prabhupada's intellectual legacy for Gainesville for the city of Gainesville and beyond because ultimately any successful 
project. I know Kalakanta is doing an extraordinarily good job. He's a uh, he's proven himself clearly to be one of the most uh, effective, brilliant leaders in North America. And so I want what I would like to talk about the intellectual legacy and what it means and you know how moving forward from Gainesville and from other places is there a serious possibility is there a serious historical possibility which doesn't entirely depend on just sort of miraculous interventions by Krishna I mean I mean everything we do depends on Krishna but often when things are going well the progress is is not so to speak miraculous but it is spiritual and it is it has a certain logic to it for example the plaza program as as, as Ramachandra described and the fact that we are you know that a, a great relationship has been established with the university Kalakanta has done that Ramachandra himself has has done a lot of that in terms of establishing that kind of relationship so it's of course it's favorable it's krishna sending the right university president the right dean you know the right conditions and so on and yet if you look at the devotees actions ramachandra especially kalakanta there's a logic to it it was all there was a lot of just efficient intelligent and and amarendra you know there's a lot of efficient intelligent decisions and actions taken so that even from a non-spiritual point of view they worked intelligently and efficiently and did the right things and said the right things so in that spirit i think we can distinguish between i mean it's all krishna's mercy we know that krishna shakti binana hetar pravartan without krishna's own power no one can spread this movement and yet sometimes or i would say most of the time the movement is spread including prabhupad coming at a perfect time in american history and west western history the movement is spread because powerful devotees or servants of a powerful devotee prabhupad made intelligent decisions represented the movement in an effective way took advantage of historical circumstances and actually created a successful project and so therefore i mean miraculous intervention i would define as no one is really working that intelligently or the circumstances are not at all promising nothing can possibly be done but somehow there's you know something which by any measure is just an act of god and 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 something is accomplished when there's there was no possible material way to do it as opposed to devotees working intelligently systematically and being empowered by krishna So in that sense speaking not about sort of extraordinary miraculous achievements which sort of defy the laws of normal good administration which is not what I'm talking about mm. um what is prabhupad's intellectual legacy and granted that the prashadam program is one of the best programs in the history of iskon north america it 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 it's brought extraordinary benefit to the movement but apart from that particular program i would like to personally here we are on the bi which frankly by brahmacharya's good work has really become the intellectual center of the hari krishna movement certainly in the western hemisphere and 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 along with uh, you know oxford it's become the, you know one of the perhaps two most prominent intellectual centers of the hari krishna movement uh in the western world 
So, so that, anyway, that's, that's what I propose. Rather than repeating the same stories, mm. that we think about what is Prabhupada's intellectual legacy, how do we carry it forward, how do we you know, sort of rejuvenate a movement which was once very prominent in North America, and now despite all the great programs is much less prominent. How do we become intellectual, philosophical, theological leaders of the Western world? Which I think is an appropriate topic. In, here we are in the BI house. Uh, if I could um, say a few things. First, um, I want to um, appreciate that what this BI house is, we're talking about it. It used to be the mansion for the president of the University of Florida um, back a half a century, but more than a half a century ago. And it's in the most, one of the nicest, most beautiful neighborhoods right near the campus of the University of Florida. It's quite a beautiful place. You can see it now in the picture, that our main living room, and next door is a library room. We have an extensive library here. And this house, we have it by uh, uh, the kind generosity of Aridai Nanamaraj, who took um, a family trust and uh, said, well, let's invest it in something that will be give uh, sustainability for the intellectual future. Because uh, BI, I began in the 70s in the BI and it went through ups and downs and we revived it. There's over 50 devotees actively working in the BI now, mostly PhDs. Uh, we also formed an alliance uh, and, and it will be based in this house, the Institute for Vaishnav Studies under the uh, uh, super competent leadership of uh, one of the intellectual Great one of the intellectual scholars is PhD. Krishna Abhishek is on Bhakti Vinod Thakur, and we're all living by the grace of Bhakti Vinod Thakur. So this house is intended as an intellectual center, uh, which is very suitable, uh, a companion for a Krishna house at the University of Florida. So we're very extremely grateful that you were able to uh, arrange a facility that um, is very pleasing. I remember when we bought a little old Rosalie temple in, in Houston, and it was an old rundown, used to be a nursing home kind of place, but uh, we sent a picture of it to Prabhupada, and we had fixed it up in a three-story building, and Prabhupada said, I like it very much. It looks like an Indian secretariat. And I just can't imagine how pleased Prabhupada would be to see a picture of the uh, front of the, uh, uh, of the BI house, which we'll take up to the camera and show you what it looks like. <laughs> I guess this is too late. Is uh, uh, um, I got it live on here. You can back up a little. Okay. There it is. A little more. A little more. Back up some more. There it is. Yeah. That's, nice. that's it. Anyway, that's the building we're sitting in. And uh, 
grace of Krishna and generosity and uh, inspiration of Rida Nanraj. We're actually sitting in a wonderful place with uh, professors. Our uh, three professors have given us their extensive libraries and more are coming. Uh, you see some of the library in back of us. That's mostly Prabhupada's books, some science books. In the next room, there's an extensive library because the intention is that what ISKCON needs is a think tank to talk about what you're talking about. How can we respond relevantly to the issues of the world? And Prabhupada was so attuned to trying to see what would reach out to America. Even his Pranam mantra, I came save the Western world. So if we're going to do anything to save the Western world, we have to understand it. And uh, Prabhupada used to spend hours in the Butler Library trying to figure out where, what is this odd place? And so we have to do the same thing, figure it out. And this is intended to be the intellectual center. So without further ado, I suggest we have, I think, a panel discussion now. Yeah, perhaps Guru Krishna Maharaj? Please. I'd like Guru Krishna Maharaj to have a chance to right. make an open, opening statement. Yeah, uh, what Rita Maharaj pointed out was quite interesting, something I've been thinking out about recently. Um, one thing we're lacking, and this is not cast aspersion upon anybody or anything in the Krishna conscious movement, is future leaders in the Krishna consciousness movement right now, especially in the West. And I remember referring back to our early days in Gainesville, uh, that I was surrounded by very educated people. The Brahmacharis were very educated, of course, uh, Rinananda Maharaj is very educated and was very educated. And that's really one of the things, apart from Prabhupada, which I mentioned this morning, uh, that really encouraged me to join. Because I had visited a number of temples, and I said, I'm not casting aspersion upon anybody. And I just couldn't relate with most of the devotees in those temples. Because not they, because they weren't devotees, or not because they weren't devoted, or great personalities, but because I wanted to associate it with like-minded people. And my background, as Rita Maharaj knows, was and is science. And recently, I've actually delved deeply into uh, microbiology. Uh, and the reason for that is I've come up with some courses about uh, how life comes from life, which Shiva Prabhupada wanted, and different devotees like Sadaputta delved into, and other uh, devotees did. So I, I wanted to get back into my science background to present Krishna consciousness to intelligent people because we have to think strategically. If we want to make leaders for our movement, and in the Western world, we're sort of at a crossroads right now. What are the crossroads? That we don't have very many Western up-and-coming leaders. We're talking about succession right now. And if we look at our GBC body, for example, within a few years, I think the majority of GBC are going to be Indian body, and we have nothing against people with Indian bodies. We have many friends and disciples and intelligent people with Indian bodies, but Prabhupada, as Brahmatirtha Prabhu mentioned, 
Paschatya-Dejatarani, Prabhupada came to preach in the Western world. And the whole world, including India, is becoming westernized at this particular juncture. And in one sense, India is more westernized than the West. But in any case, it's an international movement. And if you go to Mayapur, for example, you'll see the majority of devotees there are either Indian or Russian or some other nationality. And we're sorely lacking uh, Western-bodied or American-bodied devotees who are intellectually attuned. So we have to develop a strategy to bring people to Krishna consciousness, to bring people who can be the leaders, intellectual leaders and uh, philosophical leaders and, uh, and of course, uh, managerial leaders to push our movement into the next centuries so this movement will continue to exist. So I think this is an essential endeavor and without making this endeavor, uh, our movement will not be an international movement. So I very much appreciate this uh, Krishna house and the Ramatirtha's contribution and of course Sri Maharaj's tremendous contribution to this, uh, to this institute, sorry, the Institute of Krishna House. Uh, as practically an example of what should be done throughout the Western world. I don't think this should be the only example of an intellectual center, but it should be an example that uh, gives us some idea of where we should go in the future. So we're not simply interested in just bringing masses of people. Prabhupada said he was interested in preaching to the classes of people. Classes of people, people who are shrestas, people who are leaders. And Prabhupada spent a lot of time, of course, he was an intellectual leader, but uh, with George Harrison, who was a leader, because George Harrison influenced so many other people. And uh, Prabhupada spent a lot of time with Rup Damodar Goswami. So much time. I mean, so many different conversations, of course, with Brahmatirtha who was a Peace Corps volunteer at that particular point. You know, perfect questions, perfect answers. So you see where Prabhupada actually put his attention in people who can actually lead our movement in the future, people who could give a direction and think strategically. Very, very important to think and plan strategically for the future of this movement. So thank you very much, Frida Nanda Marge and Brahmatirtha. Thank you, Amrinda. Yeah, I like the song, though. Well, um, I guess when, when I, I think that we should also, I can't speak a whole lot in terms of, you know, modern scientific, intellectual stuff on that, on that level, but I, what I, I always appreciated in uh, from Shula Prabhupada was the, you know, in his books, like the Srimad Bhagavatam, and uh, especially Srimad Bhagavatam, and, and how actually scientific uh, this, this knowledge and this, this, <coughs> this, this way of life that we are, we are uh, practicing, how, how, how scientific that, that is. And what I would like to see is a lot more um, devotees uh, teaching the, 
that, I mean, form, formal teaching of those, uh, of, of the Shiva Prabhupada's books to, to, to other devotees. Like we have, there are schools, there are established schools, you have um, College, and several of them. And I think we should really try to increase that a lot more. Um, because if we don't, uh, you know, for most devotees to just to sit down and just study Shul Prabhupada's books is, is very, it's difficult. But if we uh, encourage more and more the, the actual um, formal education in Shul Prabhupada's books, then I think that would be a, a great uh, help in also pushing on this movement. Could, could I like to, because you, since we're having a discussion, I'd just like to react to something And that is, uh, Darren made an important point that, um, you know, we have to be educated for Alpha's books. I know there are different Bhakti Shastra courses. And I, I think it's really important to understand, though, that what we get out of Prabhupada's books, to some extent, depends on what we bring to it. I mean, one obvious example is that, that if you read Prabhupada's books looking for the absolute truth, you have a different experience than if you read Prabhupada's books just because you have nothing else to do one day. And, and but again, I found that, I mean, when I first joined the movement, my first letter to Prabhupada, my first question to Prabhupada was, should I stay in school? And Prabhupada wrote back, yes, you need a good education to preach to educated people. What Prabhupada did not say to me was, just read my books. That's not what he told me. And of course, I did read his books. I, I mean, I read them as soon as they came, came out. I, I read every book, and I read them more than once, you know, several times. But the point is that I found that as I was learning more, just learning more of whether it was about history, mm -hmm. uh, philosophy, or, you know, the, the debates over science and religion, whatever, mm -hmm. that when I came back to Prabhupada's books, I had different questions. I was looking for different answers and I found things in the books that I never would have noticed if I didn't bring those questions to it. For example, Brahmatirtha professionally was a geologist. And so <laughs> it's funny, whenever we go walking, you know, in some, uh, you know, like a park or, you know, here or there, like, you know, there's all these geological formations. And I just think, oh, this is nice. And, and he, because he's a geologist, He's seen many, many, many things that I'm not seeing. And so in the same way, I believe that the purpose of these Bhakti Shastra courses is not merely to train devotees to give classes in Hare Krishna temples and preach to the already converted. I mean, that's also very important, Prabhupada had daily Bhagavatam classes. But I believe also we need courses, we need seminaries, we've talked about that here, that train devotees to go out into the world and educate the world, discuss and if necessary debate with learned people about history, philosophy, theology, science. It's like Vir Krishna Maharaj is now, you know, brushing up in his field of science. And so obviously when he reads Prabhupada's books now, he's going to see things he didn't see before mm -hmm. because he wasn't looking for them mm -hmm. and he wasn't trained to recognize them. So I, I think that's a very important part of the Bhaktivedanta Institute, the Institute of Vaishnava Studies, is to train devotees not 
only to preach to the already converted, which of course is important to you know keep their faith and so on, but also to what Prabhupada's real dream was. The reason Prabhupada wanted an international society for Krishna consciousness is because he wanted to reestablish uh, a Brahmin order because the Brahmin order basically has collapsed in India. Prabhupada wanted to reconstitute a social class which teaches and enlightens the people. And if you're going to teach and enlighten the people, you have to speak their language, not only their grammatical language, English in America, French in France, and so on, but also speak their cultural language, address the issues that concern them, answer the questions they have, address their doubts, uh, free them of their irrational skepticism about spiritual life. Uh, correct their misunderstanding of history. And so on and so forth. And so we desperately need this in the Hare Krishna movement, an institute, programs, devotees that train, systematically train an army of learned Vaishnavas, followers of Prabhupada, to establish this movement as the primary uh, foundation of a growing Brahminical order, a true Brahminical order, which is qualified to educate the world for their ultimate benefit. So that's why when Dharma said that we have to read, and now they have something on, uh, you know, the, the strategic spiritual planning team, I think it's called. SSPT. Yeah, yeah, SS. And so they, you know, they send out all these, which are very nice, all these, you know, really nice devotees talking about why it's important to read Prabhupada's books. And they're, you know, I can see they're great souls, they're beautiful devotees. I just want to add that the attitude, I don't need anything else, I just read Prabhupada's books, that's fine if you don't plan to participate seriously in the effort to establish the Vaishnavas as the actual Brahmanas, the educators, the people who have the highest knowledge. If you want to help with that, then you need to know a little bit about the world. And the Isopanisha says, Vidyang cha vidyang cha just, tad vedo bhayang saha. By the way, Isopanishad is very special because it's the only Upanishad that is directly part of the original text of one of the four Vedas. The Isopanishad is actually part of the original text of the Ajurveda. So it says that vidyang cha vidyang cha jastad vedo bhayang saha, that basically vidyang, knowledge, cha vidyang and avidya, unknowledge or ignorance, vidyang cha vidyang tad vedo bhayang saha, one who knows both vidya and avidya. Avidya, ignorance, is just sort of Vedic jargon for the material world. It's, it's just called, if you just say the ignorance, it means the material world. So, so one who knows the material world and the spiritual world, vidyang cha vidyang cha jastad vedo bhayang saha, saha means together, both together, ubhayang saha. Avidyaya, by the ignorance, literally, 
which means by understanding this ignorant world, avidya mrityum tirtwa, one crosses over death. You cross over death by knowing this world. And vidyaya, by knowledge of the spiritual, amritam ashnute, one achieves immortality. And so, also, look at Prabhupada's purport to the famous Bhagavatam verse, where Prabhupada says, human society achieves perfection by knowledge of the academic subjects. And he mentions them, like, you know, science and philosophy and history and all these things. He said, human society achieves perfection. And this perfection is crowned or culminates in knowledge of Krishna. So the role of knowledge in this world, I think, should not, in the Hare Krishna movement, be fundamentally underestimated, misunderstood, dismissed, uh, looked down upon, and, and ridiculed. Often by people, if I can just be honest, who don't have a lot of material education and still want to think they're much better than everybody else, so they simply radically you know, put it down because you know, whether I'm educated or not, still I'm much better than everyone else. So we should just kind of you know, calm that down a bit. And uh, so this institute is very, very important. We actually have a special guest. Mm. I'd like to say, uh, actually it's 6.45. So who's gonna get, it's a... Um, Zoom. Yeah, on Zoom. It's a, uh, a very special lady, Shireen Jada from South India. She has been in America most of her life. She is, um, did her PhD work at the University of Florida in engineering. She is an important leader in another spiritual movement, the Brahma Kumaris, and is based in Tampa. And she loves Prabhupada. She has great appreciation for Prabhupada. And so I thought it would be very nice for us to hear about Prabhupada from a, a different perspective. And undoubtedly, we can learn about Prabhupada by hearing what other people, you know, educated, serious spiritual practitioners. By the way, in her group, they follow the same regular principles that we do, same four principles. They believe in a personal God and uh, in Shireen. So anyway, that's going to be in a few minutes, five minutes. So in the meantime, Amarendra, who has uh, spoken extensively, but not here. <laughs> Could I, I'd like to ask you to, you know, in the next five minutes, maybe you could just respond to what we've been discussing. Well, just to clarify the historical record, the plaza program, as it's called, was not a food program. It's originally conceived. It was not a feeding program. Prophet instructed us to preach the intelligent class of men mm. and the university students and professors. So for us, back in the 70s, Prashadam was just bait. It was like an icebreaker, a way to attract people to come over for lunch. And then all the devotees were assigned to go out into the crowd and preach. And we learned impersonalism, Christianity, all these different competing philosophies. Every day at the plaza, ask anybody that was there, Tadwajra Maharaj, anybody, Shankar Shani, it was a hotbed. We were the intellectual force on this campus. We were the ones that were leading that discussion and putting people when we would have a debate.
debate with the student. And we pick a fight, actually, just to get, well, not in a physical sense, but to get a debate going with competing philosophies and competing points of view and debate them and let the students hear this. And that's what I suggest. That's the real purpose of a university originally. I mean, think of the word university. It means it's universal. So scientists, philosophers, theologians, historians all come together and they, and by these debates, by these discussions, everyone's enriched. So in a sense, I think we are, I think by you know doing what you've done, I'm sure it also goes on now, uh, in, on the plaza, it's really fulfilling the original purpose. That's it's universal. So all the fields of knowledge come together, and uh, so in that sense, making it a real university by bringing in powerful ideas. Well, we need to be the intellectual leaders. We can't be the followers. We can't be react to things that are going on. We have to set the agenda. And who's out there in that forum, has that platform, where we really have a voice in America? We don't have a voice in North America anymore. Yeah. We have a voice on this campus, but we don't have a voice in North America. We are irrelevant in North America. We were much more powerful in the 60s and 70s than we are now. Even though we're popular, tremendous popularity here, Many people, everybody's heard of Krishna Lunch, we're famous, but we're not the, you know, I'm not saying here, but just in general, we're not setting the agenda. We're not defining and framing the issues that need to be debated. And that's why we had Prabhupada endorsed and approved of the In God We Trust party. It wasn't a, just a political party, the point was to take the platform away from the politicians and make them to react to our issues. And they did. And that's why it was so, you know, it was relatively successful. Well, that's why Prabhupada liked it so much. Gave us so much encouragement. And that started here in Gainesville also, the In God We Trust preaching, because we were out there and we were, we were talking our philosophy, we're not compromising or catering to all of these mundane political issues. We were talking about God consciousness. And that's the only way to solve the problems of human society. So we were trying to set the agenda as best we could. In this modern age, in this day of technology, I, you know, I, I personally became a lawyer because I, I was terrible at science and math, and I'm not qualified to talk about the VI thing because, you know, I couldn't even pass uh, basic biology. So I said, I better find something else to do. Well, actually, I should <laughs> mention that we are um, the VI and Brahmacharita, and and also I strongly encourage them in this. We are expanding through our alliance with the Institute of Vaishnava Studies and the VI itself. Uh, we are conceiving of the Bhakti Institute as also dealing with history, philosophy, because ultimately, what Prabhupada, the mandate Prabhupada gave the VI, technically, academically, was not really science, it was philosophy of science. And in order to do philosophy of science, you have to understand philosophy. And, and as we know, to understand where science goes and what it's thinking, you have to know the history because historical factors have extraordinary importance. You have no history, you have no philosophy. So the, the VI, as we conceive of it now, is something which in integrates like science itself with historical context, philosophical claims, and so on. So I believe now, uh, Shireen, 
forgive me for interrupting. Is that right? Can you can you hear us, Shereen? You gotta let her join in the uh, with audio. Go into your computer. Join with computer audio. Shereen. Can you hear us? Shereen, can you hear us? Yes, now. I already gave a, an introduction to you, which I think would please, either very much please you or embarrass you. And I mean, it was very positive. So everyone knows about your accomplishments. Uh, I'll just reiterate, Shereen has lived, I, I know her very well, and she's lived a very pure life. And uh, she's very, very serious about her spiritual practice. Again, following the same four principles. She's very, very serious about her relationship with God. In her tradition, they call it say Baba, which means Father, you know, Krishna, God. And uh, she's an extraordinary, uh, very intelligent, very dedicated, serious uh, spiritual practitioner with extraordinary integrity in her practice. And she appreciates me, which means she's very intelligent. So anyway, I'm going to... Uh, <laughs> So yeah, I'm going to invite you. Please, uh, please speak about your appreciation of Prabhupada and just your understanding from your perspective, and we all appreciate that very much. Um, tell me, who am I speaking to? And first, I think can you uh, can you show your video a little bit? And uh, oh, you can't see us. Um, well, right now I'm here for Krishna Maharaj, who is a member of the GBC and uh, spiritual leader important spiritual leader in this kind of guru who joined the movement in Gainesville, Brahmatirtha, whom you know, Dharma Das, who joined the movement in Gainesville, and he's been the head priest for our worship in ISKCON Miami for many, many years, decades. Amarendra, who actually is one of the most important pioneers of the movement in Gainesville, my very, very dear and old friend, and he's a lawyer now, but I, I forgave him for that. And actually, he um, many times he actually saved the Hare Krishna movement when we were under serious attack, especially during the deprogramming days and everything. He literally he was the kid with his finger in the dike. He saved our temples. He saved our movement. He started the Plaza program in its current incarnation. And uh, and there there are about probably about uh, another seven or eight devotees here in the room. Plus, there are people all around the world watching. Okay, okay. So you Thank have you a, so much. You have it's so lovely. Look. I remember that room. That's the room we had those donuts in. Yeah, donuts. Yeah, they have an incredible donut shop in this <laughs> Yeah, so thank you very much for inviting me. Um, I feel uh, very blessed that I got to know about Prabhupada, of course, through Acharya Dev. And... Um, um, I thought this was going to be an interview, so I will share briefly on what I think, but feel free to ask some questions. Um, I, when I first heard about Prabhupada, I really heard about him through Acharya Dev. Um, 
even though um, I grew up in India, I uh, wasn't around um, that kind of um, bhakti. I was, uh, my parents were more into um, worshipping the Venkateshwara Swami. Um, we are from um, Hyderabad, from um, Andhra Pradesh. And so, um, so that it was that kind of worship. So I, my introduction to Prabhupada was through um, Acharya Dev. Um, if I have to talk about one thing about Acharya Dev, uh, I'm sorry, one thing about Srila Prabhupada is um, that he is the real thing. And my appreciation of him really only happened because of my practice. I feel if I didn't do what I was doing, I wouldn't have recognized. And recently, um, not that recently, a couple of years ago, a very senior spiritual uh, leader in the Brahma Kumaris was telling me that people are not able to recognize the real thing. Um, it's just like, you know, if you have a really flashy diamond, and if you have the real diamond, like if you have a real fake flashy diamond and you have the real small beautiful diamond, uh, people are who don't know what it is will always go towards the flashy diamond. And, and Prabhupada was not, he was really the real thing. And um, one of the things that I always admired about Prabhupada is and now because you know all of us are trying to bring about a spiritual consciousness in the west and um he was able to do that i mean we could always say oh it's the time you know it was in the 60s and the 70s and people were more receptive then but i don't think so i really think that god used him as a instrument as a steward and he was able to use him, God was able to use him because he was so, so pure and because he was so real. Um, and so I really feel that that is an important um, aspect of um, his uh, important aspect of Srila Prabhupada. And the other one I feel is that all of you all of you very exalted souls. Um, he has made your life. And I always tell Acharya that if Prabhupada didn't come into your life, what would your life have been? And so he really gave you life. And anyone uh, who can give someone life, you know, is so exalted because what would our what would all of our lives have been if it wasn't for souls like Prabhupada? who came and did what he did. And that appreciation is so, um, and I would not have noticed this earlier on in my practice. I feel I only notice it now uh, because of what I've been through. And I, I'm, every time I think of uh, Srila Prabhupada, I think, oh my God, what a exalted soul. What, I mean, just the fact that I was able to recognize what kind of a soul he is. I feel so fortunate and blessed to be able to recognize this. And the other aspect um, of 
his life, I feel, is, um, and, and a lot of people who are sitting in the room, is his purity really upheld the world? His purity of consciousness, his purity of serving, his purity of devotion, his just being a sannyasi, everything. And, um, and I feel that souls like that, even though they might not, um, people don't know how they uphold the world, but they do uphold the world. It is, you know, the example just now Acharya was giving is this Amrinder, is it, who put a finger in the dike and, you know, think like the dike burst or whatever. Was it, who were you referring to? Yes, yes, Amrinder. <laughs> and he didn't compromise. He never compromised. But no, first let me talk about the practicality and then we'll talk about the compromise bit. And so he was so practical, like he always, when you heard, heard him talk, it was not some esoteric thing, I can't understand what he's saying, you know, the, I know he's talking English, but I don't really know what he's saying, you know, use practical. And now, now let's talk to, not, let's talk about the Srila Prabhupada's always, always pointing to Krishna, always. He never took credit. No one, he never came out because India produces so many, so many spiritual gurus, so many spiritual people, right? And Prabhupada, why did he make a difference? Why did he make a difference in all of your lives? Why did he make a difference in my life? Why did he make a difference in Acharya Dev's life? Is because he really pointed to Krishna. He never took credit. He never said, oh, I'm God or, you know, whatever nonsense. The most popular gurus nowadays spout or they never talk about God you know they always talk about their own importance and but uh, Srila Prabhupada was so always always pointing to God and that's something I always appreciate about him he's never taking credit he knows who is the boss when he's talking he knows who who it is that he has to who, who it is that has made him who he was. And I really appreciate that because what he is doing is he's actually pointing us to God. Whereas most gurus nowadays, I'm not talking about present company, exempted, <laughs> is most gurus nowadays point to themselves, right? They are the be all and end all. I will not mention names because the whole world Yusek, is watching. So we will not mention names. Um, because I might get trolled, but anyway, so um, the <laughs> um, and so that's another aspect I really, really appreciate about Prabhupada uh, is that he always spoke about Krishna, always spoke about Krishna. There was one other thing I was going to say, but never mind. Do you have any questions? Thank you, Shireen. That was more than eloquent. It was just a very, yes, yeah, very beautiful, um, moving little talk you just did. And I was looking around the room, and I, I, I could see that everyone was really, really appreciating it because, you know, like every movement kind of thinks like, okay, we get it, other people get it to some extent. And so to see someone from, you know, superficially another movement who really gets it, who like totally understands it, is uh, I, I think it was 
a bit enlightening for all of us here. So uh, if any of you have any questions, um, anyone have a question for Shireen? I just want to say I really appreciate Shireen. I mean, I know you, but uh, you're being um, a, uh, you might say, a first cousin to us, uh, and, uh, but not exactly inside what we do, so looking from the outside. Um, and uh, you had such great insight into who Prabhupada was, insight that on Prabhupada's birthday celebration every year is coming up soon. People speak about their appreciations, but rarely does somebody speak with such succinct insight as you just offered us. I really thank you for it. Oh, no, thank you, thank you. I feel so honored to be in such exalted company, and I'm not just saying that, I really mean it. Yeah. You know, many times I joke with Acharya Dev, but no, I am being very serious, because I can't see him. So him exempted all of those <laughs> I'm really, really happy to share this with you. Um, there was this one other thing I wanted to um, talk about, about Prabhupada, um, is his singing, his um, uh, chanting. It, um, it's not called singing, no, it's called chanting. I'm so sorry. No, <laughs> no, that's, that's When no he sings, you know, it's not the chanting of the Mahamantra. When he sings the, um, that song. Um, Radha Madhava. Yeah, Radha, Jai Radha Madhava. Um, it's so sublime, so sublime. Many, many times I listen to it and I play it and then I go to sleep on that. It's so sublime, the way he sings. Is that that called singing? I'm so sorry. No, yes. no, no, no. You, you have, I can, I can, I think, safely say that you can say singing. I don't think anyone in this room is going to sue you. <laughs> okay, okay, thank you. Thank you for that. So, uh, please, anyone? Bhadra? Perhaps? It's nice to hear. Maybe you could come forward so Shireen can see you. Bhadra is actually, I mean, and then Krishna Abhishek. Maybe I can introduce you a few people. Bhadra is a um, wonderful. I believe. can't see you. Oh, how, do we, how do we. It's not your face. On that it's what? Here. You got to face that computer towards it. This one? Yeah. Okay, can you... Badra, Om Shanti. Hare Krishna. Badra is from Gujarat. He organizes Bratti Atra festivals all over Florida, and I thought maybe he could just... I'm sure he found what you said moving also. It's nice to, he it's nice to, it's nice to hear you. It actually helps us to bring, to come closer to Srila Prabhupada, actually, by hearing you even though you are not in touch with Srila Prabhupada and you have so much appreciation and it brings me personally to see more and more how Srila Prabhupada was a great personality. Thank you. So, anyone else? You want me to say something? Yeah, this is Bhir Krishna Maharaj uh, who uh, joined... Can I see? Oh, let's yeah. see. Can you... Whoops, that didn't help, did it? Yeah, she can see me now. She can yes. see me now. 
Your Krishna is my old friend. He joined in Gainesville, and he, uh, yeah, please. He's a guru and a GBC member in our movement and preaches all around the world. So, yeah, so uh, one thing about my history, I actually joined in Acharya who was the temple president. And he inspired me. He was one of my inspirations in the beginning. Not now, but I mean, <laughs> <laughs> in the beginning. I also have a sense of humor. I also have a sense of humor. I also have a sense of humor like him, so please forgive me. So, one thing I really appreciated that you said, I mean, I appreciated everything, but especially you pointed out that there's these unsung heroes, and those aren't your words, of course, who put their fingers in the dike and they change society in some way because of their own inherent spiritual qualities. And actually, I see that with Prabhupada, that Prabhupada changed the course of history. I mean, many times Prabhupada was talk, would talk about an impending war, World War III or something like that. And I can see that the whole world, I mean, in spite of Donald Trump, yeah. who we all know, uh, the whole world is actually gradually heading towards a spiritual direction. And I really think that it was Prabhupada who started that push or that movement towards a spiritual direction. And the more that we can become faithful to Prabhupada's mission, we can become instrumental in accomplishing and pleasing Prabhupada. So, so really I appreciated that unsung hero aspect or uh, attribute of Srila Prabhupada that you mentioned. Thank you very much for that. It really inspired me. Not only do I appreciate it, but it inspired me to go on and carry out my service for Srila Prabhupada. And I want to mention to Serene that we have really nice guest rooms here, uh, which we expect you to occupy at some time. You say that, oh, guest room. Yes. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, so. I come for the donuts. I, the, <laughs> the devotee donut store is walking distance from us. Did Shireen visit here? Yes. Also, I should say, Shireen, in the spiritual tradition that she helps to lead, that, um, do you hear me? Yes, yes. Do you recognize my voice? Do you know this? So, um, yeah, in the spiritual tradition that Shireen helps to lead, uh, they have very strongly this notion that we are instruments in God's service. In fact, if I can reveal this, Shireen's license plate <laughs> is, is nimit, which means instruments. From the Bhagavad Gita, Krishna says nimit the mantra, so she has the word instrument on her license plate, which I always thought was like, wow, that's amazing. So anyway, uh, thank you so much, Shireen. It's, uh, as you can see, you inspired a lot of people, and I'm sure there are many people all around the world listening and, and who will listen to this, you know, I think often in these types of programs, you know, a, a majority of people listen a little bit later, but I, I think you're really helping a lot of people by, by speaking here and uh, I thank you for the... No, thank you for this opportunity. I, I feel uh, very honored that you would invite me to talk about Prabhupada because I know how how all of you really revere him. And so I really feel honored. And um, 
You know, I always think about Prabhupada because I think what he did and how is it possible for us to do something similar. You know, what changes and what transformation should happen within me that we can do something similar? Of course, no one can replace him, but we can bring about a spiritual revolution. And what is it that I have to do to be able to bring about a spiritual revolution? Well said. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you, Shireen. See you soon. <laughs> Thanks again, Shireen. Thank you. Um, I've received on the Facebook chat, which I have in front of me, we're live streaming. Can I speak? Yeah, 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 yeah. You're definitely good to go if you like. Okay. okay. Thank you. See you later. Bye. On the Facebook chat, we've received several requests uh, have come in. Can you? Please tell a few stories about the early days. Yes. So I thought we would at least maybe read a little bit of Anandas. Oh, yes, of course, of yeah. course. Of course and and uh, so I can satisfy our chat folks, which could I could. Could I just say a few word about Ananda first? Uh, 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 that would be wonderful. So uh, camera crew, are we, we can't see what we're, what's going, let's see. Is there any way we can click here so I can see on the screen? Oh, it is. It, it's here. It's on the big it, it's one. It's here. It, it just, have to, it'll be back there in a moment. Let's see. How do we get the big screen there? Oh, good. So I would like to, uh, I hope this, you know, no one will you know, consider this unusual, but I, when I was a temple president here, I was a grihasta. And uh, I think it's very important that the world understand that Ananga Manjari, uh, Prabhupada's very dear disciple, uh, was one of the main, also one of the uh, main factors, I think, in the, in the success of the Gainesville program. That um, she did extraordinary devotional service. She is famous as a great preacher. She really is an extraordinary preacher, very empowered. And she has a uh, very powerful love for Prabhupada. And uh, she was like the mother of the temple. She, you know, I just went and did you know, my blah, blah, blah. But actually, mm -hmm. um, I mean, she was really, she, she was really like the, like the co-president of the temple. And I know whenever I had to leave Gainesville, she would take charge of the temple. And uh, so unfortunately, she just came down with a little illness, which of course we all pray to Krishna is not too serious. We hope she'll get better very soon. But, uh, but Ananga Manjari, I mean, whatever we accomplished back then would not have been possible without her contribution. So, um, I would like, uh, oh, Brahmacharya now I believe is gonna read. She couldn't come, so I asked her to write something, and she did. So 
also an excellent writer. And now Veer Krishna Maharaj. Yeah, yes, or one the ladies read, whatever you think. I can read. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. Veer Krishna Maharaj is going to read. All right. Camera. What? Here, we can. He does. Taken. So uh, I just want to mention a few words before I read Ananda Mandri's uh, text here. Uh, my own experience with Ananda Mandri in the early days, and corroborate what Vita uh, Ananda Maharaj, or nowadays Joe Dave said. Yes. <laughs> Against GBC rules. But, anyways, uh, <laughs> the nomenclature told me that. So, I want to corroborate uh, what he said about Ananda Mandri. The temple that I joined in 1971 was, it was like a family. And the interactions between the men and women were like brothers and sisters. I mean, there was no question of discrimination or bodily consciousness. Of course, everybody had their own living situations. But Ananda Mandri sort of made that all of us feel like we were in a family, a Krishna conscious family. It was just a very warm situation. And I'm not going to contrast it with Sri Nanamaja. But he, you know, he was warm too. I mean, he was nice, believe me. Because he would, just a few nice words about you. you know, I know this is out of character for me. Yeah, it's out of character. You know, somehow or other, maybe I ate too much prasadam tonight or something. Um, Prinayananda Maharaj and Ananda Mandri were always giving us Krishna Kata. I remember wherever we went in the temple, and with Prinayananda Maharaj, it was even sometimes in the shower room of the temple, he would be repeating words of the Srimad Bhagavatam. He was memorizing the first chapter of Srimad Bhagavatam, first few chapters of Srimad chapters of Srimad Bhagavatam at that time. And Continually, there was a stream of nectar emanating from his mouth. How about that phrase? So, and the same thing with the Nangamandri. And the brahmacharis felt so, let us say, warm towards both of them that I remember sometimes, you may remember this, that we would actually sometimes go down and talk to both of you and be singing Vaishnava songs to you. You remember that? One time we came down and we were singing to you and to Ananda Mandri, and so much appreciation. So oftentimes we talk about you know philosophy bringing people to Krishna consciousness, and it, philosophy is extremely important. As Ridhananda Maharaj pointed out a few minutes ago about understanding philosophy and understanding science, I found that the more I study philosophy, the more I can understand Srila Prabhupada's books uh, from a hermeneutical point of view. And the more I study science, the more my faith in Krishna consciousness increases and my ability to present Krishna consciousness. But in any case, what attracts people, in addition to philosophy, science, theology, is a warm and friendly spiritual family atmosphere. And I attribute that to Ananga Mandri's hard work in bringing us up in Krishna consciousness. In one sense, she was the mother of all of us in the temple, so I very much want to appreciate her before I read her particular text. So, this particular text that she wrote, and I'm sorry that I'm not seeing her tonight, is called The Sage in Gainesville. 
We were excitedly preparing for a big event. Srila Prabhupada, our spiritual guide and guru, was to visit our small Krishna house in Gainesville. I had been studying and practicing his philosophical teachings for the past year, although I had not personally met him yet. The, movement, the moment was now upon us. Kirtan chanting was going on outside our building with the many devotees and guests who came from other temples to see him. They were eagerly waiting for his arrival from the airport. I knew that when the chanting would suddenly stop, it would mean that his car had finally arrived. I was inside the house doing last-minute touch-ups. I tried to create a spiritual ambience in his quarters by putting flowers everywhere and lighting lots of incense. I just placed a freshly picked magnolia flower on his desk and the chanting <laughs> suddenly stopped. I rushed down, but as soon as I got near the entrance, he was already on the other side of the old screen door. Seeing him for the first time with the screen between us is a memory etched in my mind. He is such a familiar and endearing part of my life, yet there is so much more to him that I may understand in time as the screen of my limited perceptions fade away. I went down on the ground to offer my respects. As soon as I got up, he was already in our small temple room looking at our kitty-cornered altar where a raw painting of Panchatattva presided. The artist was our resident dear god sister Gayatri, who was the best cook around. <laughs> As he gazed at the painting with deep love, I saw a golden light emanating from him through a white halo of incense. At first I thought, wait, I didn't light that much incense, did I? Then I realized it was a special gift to get a moment's glimpse of him in that light without the screen between us. He soon was moving towards the great piazza sound that Gotti had built. It looked like an oversized, gigantic living room chair built for a giant. I had no idea how to upholster it, so we found some navy blue velvet cloth and covered the old clunky wood frame using thumbtacks and Elmer's glue. I pasted flowers where the wood was showing through. Seeming unfazed, he elegantly climbed up and began his speech. It is so nice to see so many young boys and girls in this remote corner of the universe. It is remote because it is so far away from Lord Chaitanya's birthplace. At the time, 1971, Gainesville was quite remote. The closest airport was Jacksonville, so we had to drive an hour and a half after his flight to get here. Here we were, most of us novices in Christian consciousness, but he saw how that unrefined picture of Lord Chaitanya was being worshipped in a small corner of this remote place by these young Westerners. He saw we were doing the best we could to serve the Lord with our flowers, incense, talents, and devotion. This is Srila Prabhupada's legacy. Bhakti, devotion to God, cannot be monopolized by anyone. It was his intention to declare that boldly across the world. Another thing that stood out for me in his talk was when he mentioned how anyone who thinks of the Lord Krishna at the time of death will go to the Lord. He told a story about a disciple, Kartikeya, whose mother challenged her son on her deathbed. Where is your Krishna? Is he here now? Srila Prabhupada leaned forward to just where I was sitting. It appeared to me that he looked right in my eyes when he said, And so she went to Krishna.
This is stated in Bhagavad Gita. It affected me as a moment. At a moment, I will, no, as a moment, I will always remember, although at the time, I didn't know why. Many, many years later, I was taking care of my elderly mother, who had been inimical towards the devotees for decades because she felt they had taken her young daughter away from her when I joined the movement. But in her old age, she grew dependent on me, her heart softened, and she began appreciating Krishna consciousness. A few days before she passed away, she asked me in the exact same words, but with innocent sincerity, where is your Krishna now? Will he come and help me? I assured her that he would come and help. Her last words were the Maha Mantra. While chanting with my children and their friends, I cannot forget the look Srila Prabhupada gave me when he said, and so she went to Krishna. This is stated in Bhagavad Gita. At the end of his lecture, one journalist asked, why are there only young people here? Why don't we see older people here? Srila <coughs> Prabhupada answered, why are there only young people at the university? Because you cannot teach an old dog, Professor Nutrix. Most of us laughed. The next day I was supposed to receive Brahman initiation and get the Gayatri Mantra from Srila Prabhupada. I went into the room. He was sitting in a chair and very gravely said, sit down. I sat on the floor, he said, repeat. He then began to recite the first line of the Gayatri Mantra. In those days, we did not have much knowledge of Sanskrit mantras except for the few prayers we would recite regularly. I was botching up the words terribly. Again, he said, I said, repeat. Again, I messed up the words. He asked if anyone had given me a paper with the words written on them. I told him I had not received anything. He then said very kindly, never mind. It's all right. Rinananda will give you the mantra tomorrow. Then with a wave of his hand, he dismissed me. As I was walking backwards out the door saying, thank you, thank you, he picked a huge flower garland off his desk. He smiled broadly and nodded for me to catch it. He then flung it across the room at me laughing. <laughs> I was overwhelmed with gratitude. Thank you. With a wave of his hand and smile, he dismissed me, yet also accepted me as one of his Brahmin disciples. I felt he gave me more that day than just Brahmin initiation. He gave me the understanding that bhakti devotion to Krishna is not about the formalities and rituals. It is about our intention, our relationship with the Lord, and how we treat others. The day after Prabhupada left, we had a fire ceremony to celebrate my Brahmin initiation and one couple's marriage. There were not enough bananas to put in the fire, so I gave my banana to the new bride. After all, I had already learned that it was not about the bananas. Jai, Nagamandri ki jai. Very well, very nice. So, anything? Um, yeah, I think so. I think we're. Um, any other comments, questions? <laughs> Amarendra? That was very nice. Say so, something Gayatri. else? Amarendra, perhaps you could speak a bit about Gayatri and her conversation. That would be uh, really appropriate. And her cooking. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean it, it just yeah, her general contribution to the. Well, the thing that the devotees will be most. Gayatri was your wife, you should explain that. Yeah, oh, yeah, that, of course, too. But 
she invented Garunga potatoes. That's right. She was the one who invented them. When we were in Dallas and we ran out of yogurt, she used sour cream and butter, and that became the standard all over the world. And her her cooking was legendary. But but aside from that, she was uh, later on. She became the real TLC at the temple, because I was a very I know I was calm and shy, as you were mentioning this morning, and very mellow and so forth. But every now and then I'd get a little bit off the deep end and get a little heavy. Um, and she would kind of follow behind me and repair the damage that I had done. But all the hurt feelings and all the bruised egos, she would come and just give them that, I hate to say it, but Jewish love, of a love of a Jewish mother that so many people had been lacking. And there was one girl that actually, uh, I asked her why she joined, even though she joined here, and I, she said, because nobody in my life treated me with so much love and kindness as Gayatri. Wow. And that's the only reason she joined, is because of Gayatri. Wow. And, and when she departed a couple years ago in LA, it was like a magnificent event. So many devotees from all over America came to see her in the hospital and just expressed their appreciation, how kind she was and how great her garunga potatoes were. There's never been anything to rival her recipes which were this. Some people have tried to write it down but she never wrote anything down. It's just like whatever she motivated. But she was the uh, real force in our temple here. She was the one that kept it together. She was the one that, that gave the devotees the affection that they were missing in the material world. And that personalism, mm -hmm. that personalism uh, was so successful and was so important because I would just have wrecked everything if it hadn't been for her, so. Thank you very much. So, uh, oh, with that, Amarenda, that was, uh, after that, there's not much else that can be said. The last uh, two uh, we had were uh, from the real force behind the founding of Iskon Gainesville, which was Gayatri and the Nangamanjari, the real uh, forces behind the success of it. And, um, and uh, that's a fitting way for us to end our evening. And we thank all of you for attending. Uh, tomorrow, uh, those who are here physically, this um, uh, is not a broadcast program, but from three to seven o'clock, we're having an open house at this very facility at 224 Northeast 10th Avenue in Gainesville. You're all invited to a buffet and a tour of the BI house, and you can come and uh, meet Haridayananda Maharaj, and we'll have our BI nerds here too to answer all your questions. We'll have uh, books available. All of Sadaputa's books are back in print. We'll have them available. All of Haridayananda Maharaj's books are here. They're available. And we have our library uh, you could uh, peruse. And of course, as I said, the most important part, the buffet. So we invite you all to come tomorrow between three and seven. Uh, thank you very much. And I want to uh, particularly thank 
Udi and Damodar, our technical staff, for making this broadcast successful, and uh, Badra for organizing the festival, and Leela for getting it all together to make this work, and uh, Rukmini for making this house look the way it does, because I assure you it didn't look this way yesterday, and for the dozen other devotees who are here helping to organize it, I thank you all very much. Hare Krishna. All words of Prabhupada. Jai. Prabhupada ki jai. jai.